Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 1. I'm going to start out the thought today in a very unusual place for a message that's one week from Christmas. However, the heart of the message today really is about Christmas. If you'll stay with me for just a few moments, you'll understand. You see, on Friday morning, I went over to Dundalk. I was present for the homegoing service of Dixie Sasser, our missionary to Israel. This morning, Brother Taylor gave you a brief update about the Sassers and her ministry and what has transpired in their life and since October 7th and the tumultuous path that they've been on. Dixie actually was planning to and wanted to go back to Israel with uh, Brother Sasser and, and her, their son. And he said, no, I don't, I don't think you should go. We need to get over there and make sure things are safe and stable. Let us go just, you know, me and your boy and, and let us do that. You stay home. We'll find out the situation, and maybe you can go on the next trip. She really wanted to go with him. Little did they know that just a few days later, they would be receiving a phone call that she had had a brain aneurysm and passed. We sat in the funeral and listened to family and friends talk about the life of Dixie. How she had a passion for the lost everywhere she went. They described her love for people that came through and how she treated even a random stranger that would come across her path. They said she treated everyone with the love of Christ. Those who were her friends and had the privilege of calling her friend were looked at themselves as truly blessed for having known her and having her been a part of their lives. They described her love for Israel and the Israeli people In fact, the people from Nazareth Village over in Israel sent a letter to be read at the funeral in appreciation for her love for Christ and her commitment while she was there in Israel. They said she lit up the room everywhere that she went, that her smile was contagious. They said, you know... Many times the funeral homes uh, do a great job representing the individual that had passed, but they said there in the casket that if you knew Dixie, that it just didn't look like her. And everybody kind of had that same general consensus. They said, you know, it just doesn't look like Dixie. I don't, it doesn't seem like it's her. The pastor put it very plainly as he brought a message. He said, the reason it doesn't look like her is because there's no smile on her face. She always was smiling. They said that she took every opportunity that she could to point friend and foe alike to Christ. Her son stood and described how she was the glue that held their family together and he wasn't sure how they as a family would be making it without that glue. You see, beloved, she was a Christian not just in name or title, but in every aspect of her life. She walked with her Lord day in and day out, often sharing with others things that she got from her own personal devotions. Many stood and said they often received text or a call and was nothing but a 
quick thought that she received in her own Bible study. As we sat there in the church that morning, we're there, and the entire church was decorated for Christmas. And at first, I sat there thinking, you know, it seems a little out of place. The festive decorations of Christmas here when we're partaking of a funeral. But then it hit me. The reason, beloved, that we sorrow not as those that have no hope is because of Christmas. I know that Christmas is a hard time for many of you, even here in this room, who during this Christmas season, it's a focus on family and getting together and songs like I'll be home for Christmas. All they do is remind you that that loved one is not going to be home for Christmas ever again. I understand that pain. But dear friend, the Holy Spirit turned that on its head for me on Friday morning as I sat there in that funeral. And he said to me that many times we're sad because of the loss that we feel when what we should remember is that it's because of Christmas that we have hope. That it's because of this Christmas season that we have the hope of seeing them again. That we have the hope of heaven. So if you would allow me to this morning, I would like to bring a message that I've entitled The Hope of Heaven Because of an Incarnate Infant. We have today the hope of going to heaven one day and we have the hope of seeing our loved ones again because of an incarnate infant whose name is Jesus. Would you look in Matthew chapter 1 Verses 18 through 25, where we see the text, where we'll be drawing the message from this morning. He says in verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you now, and I humbly submit myself to you, an unworthy vessel. But I ask of you this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would indeed bring the pages of Scripture into our own lives. 
May we be reminded of the truth that it's because of the incarnation of Christ that we have the hope of heaven. We can rejoice. We don't sorrow as those that have no hope. We are rejoicing in what you brought through Christmas. I pray, God, you would use this thought. Encourage those that need encouragement. Strengthen the weak. Challenge the complacent. Make a difference today through your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. First of all, I would have you see here a miraculous conception. A miraculous conception. We see in verse number 23, he says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. You know, I don't, it is something that's always been under attack in the world, the virgin birth of Christ, because men would love to take away the deity of Christ, to remove his Godhead, but he indeed came and was born of a virgin. You know, not since the birth of Christ and not before the birth of Christ has there ever been an infant which so greatly impact, impacted society than the birth of Jesus. No baby ever born before the Christ or since Christ has made a greater impact. Not you look through the pages of history and list off in your mind uh, the most influential people in all of history and none of them, not any five of them, have made the impact that Jesus Christ made. This miraculous conception of a baby that was born of a virgin, we see that he had an announced nativity. Verse number 22 says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. He's saying, hey, you know what? The prophet told us a long time ago, and it actually was the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 7:14. he said, Therefore, the Lord himself shall send you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was an announcement 700 years before Jesus was actually born. The prophet said, he's going to come, he's going to be born of a virgin. They had that testimony that announced nativity. It was something that was anticipated and looked forward to. He was indeed born of a virgin. Don't let men steal the deity of Christ from you. Don't let them downplay it or try and strive to take it away. Larry King on CNN, that talk show host, was asked by one of his guests one day, if you could interview anybody in all of history, who would you want to speak to? And he said, I suppose if I had Anybody in history that I would desire to talk to, it'd be Jesus Christ. The questioner asked of him, he said, what would you ask of Jesus? And he said, I would ask of him if indeed he was virgin born. For that, the answer to that question would define history for me. But can I tell you this morning, Mr. Larry King may be looking to Jesus to get an answer directly, but can I tell you that Jesus has already given us the answer? Jesus has already answered it. He didn't have to go see him face to face. He's already said here in his word, the prophet announced that it was going to be, and the, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus said it himself, he was born of a virgin. He is deity. He is God in the flesh. It is necessary for him to have been born of a virgin that he might have a heavenly nature instead of the nature of Adam. 
You see, his father was not Adam. You see, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You see, all of us have a sin nature. Why? Because we have that Adamic, that Adam nature that's been passed on through all of our fathers all the way back to Adam. That's why we're all sinners. That's why it was imperative that Jesus Christ not be born of man, that he would have man's nature, but that he was born of the Holy Spirit, that he has a heavenly nature. Amen? That is who Jesus Christ is, and that's why he was able to die for mankind and be a sinless sacrifice. Some doubt this, the virgin birth of Christ. Through history, many have questioned it, but they're not alone. Mary questioned it. Mary said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How am I going to have a child? I haven't known a man. Now, you know the world mocks this. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. But there's currently, right now, some show uh, about uh, a woman who's having a child that she was still a virgin. Now, they're going to mock it. They're going to make fun of it. They're going to laugh. But I want you to know it's not a laughing matter. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was miraculously conceived in and through the power of the Holy Spirit and was God in the flesh that came and dwelt among us. That is vital and central to us in our beliefs with regards to Jesus Christ. And I hope you have that settled in your heart and mind today. Not only was it an announced nativity, he had an amazing nurturer, Joseph was not his physical father, but Joseph cared for him as a son. That's pretty impressive. You think about this man and what he was going through. His bride-to-be, he found out before the wedding that she was expecting. I think he had some questions. I would have had some questions. We see here in verse number 20 that Adam says, I'm sorry, but Christ tells us here in verse number 20, he says, but well, he thought on these things. Yeah, I would have had some things to think about too. Hmm, she's expecting. Uh, what are we going to do about this? Am I still in love with her? Do I still want to spend my life with her? Oh my goodness, what, what in the world? But God sent an angel to him. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. Praise the Lord for Joseph. His belief and faithfulness to fulfill the position that God had called him to fulfill, to be a nurturing father for a son that wasn't his. He also had an appointed name. You know, there's a lot of different reasons parents choose their names for their children. According to babyzone.com, 21% of parents choose a family name, something from their family. 12% choose a name guided by their religion. 33% choose a name based off their parents' personal, just the name that mom or dad liked. But you know, Mary and Joseph didn't have to choose a name. He had an appointed name. Verse number 21 says, And he shall bring forth a son, 
and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He was given this name by his heavenly Father. You see, Jesus was God. He was God. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. God. It's a mystery. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. You say, can you explain to me how somebody could be all God and all man? Can you, can you define that for me or put it in terms that I can understand? You know what? I can't. I can't explain why a Chick-fil-A sandwich tastes so good, but I still buy them. You don't have to be able to explain it to believe it. You don't have to be able to explain it to say this is truth because the truth was given to us in the Word of God. He was God. Some people try and say, oh, Jesus was just a spirit-filled man. Listen, if He was just a spirit-filled man, He's like any one of us. But I serve a risen Savior. And, and he's not like any one of us. He was all God and all man. Some say that Jesus was a deified man. That he was man, but he was deified, that he became God. Well, there's a problem with that theologically because that teaches that all men can become gods. And that is not what the Bible teaches. We can't, one day, none of you here are going to be God. Oh, one day we'll be giving our glorified body and we will have perfect knowledge and we're no longer going to have sickness and pain and hallelujah. We have the hope of heaven because an incarnate infant. But we're never going to be gods. Some people would say that he was half God and half man. The problem with that is, is half a man is not a man. Half a God is not a God. He was all God and he was all man. Verse number 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. What's the remainder of that verse? Read it out loud if you've got your Bible open there. What does it say? Which being God with us. He was God. It is God with us. You know, names have meaning. How many of you know what Caleb means? That's a little bit unusual name. It means bold one. Bold one. Names have meanings. And there was a time when parents would name their children really based off of, uh, you know, something particularly meant something uh, specifically, especially if you go back to the Bible times, names were very crucial to who a person was. Well, Jesus means something. It was a name given to him by his father, and Jesus, when you break down the original language, you see that it means Jehovah is Savior. Jehovah is Savior. Why was he called Jesus? Look at verse number 21. You tell me, why was his name Jesus? The word is for there. For he shall save his people from their sin. That's what the name Jesus means. It means Jehovah is Savior. 
Jesus was to be the Savior of mankind. He was going to save His people from their sins. He had an appointed name which meant something. It's a name above every name. A name that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He is God. Jesus. That precious name. Jesus is the sweetest name I'll ever know. He's just the same as His holy name. And that's the reason I love Him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I praise the Lord for the miraculous conception of Jesus. I'm glad today and thrilled and thankful that I have hope of heaven because of an incarnate infant named Jesus. Secondly, we have a merciful condescension. We talked about this some in Sunday school. But you see, Jesus had to humble himself. Verse number 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and shall be called Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. God with us. God, in all of His glory, up in heaven, had to willingly give up all of that and come down to be with man. Philippians 2.7 says, But He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. There's a story told about a prince who was away on a journey, and he was in his carriage and being brought back into the castle, and as often is the case, they had to pass through a very poor and neglected part of the city or town that he was a prince of, and they passed through this portion of town, and they had the carriage all closed up so nobody could see who was inside, and the, the prince was looking through the curtains and just observing the community and the, the broken down homes and the you know people living on the street and the, the, the great poverty that was present there, and he's looking out the window and he's seeing all of these people living in such hard circumstances. But his eyes fell upon a beautiful young lady. And he, moving the curtain, trying to keep her in view as the, as the carriage kept on moving, boy, he, he was just watching her until no longer she was in sight. And in his heart and mind, he began to ponder and think about this beautiful young lady. And he thought of any excuse he could to get the carriage driver or get permission to be taken back through that section of town. And Week after week after week, he would go through that section of town just to get a glimpse of her. He, from a distance, never having met her, never having seen her or talked to her, he fell in love with that young lady. And he thought, boy, I would like to spend my life with her. He thought, well, what I could do, I'm the prince. I could just demand that she come to the castle. I could just tell her that she is a subject of mine and therefore she's going to marry me. But he thought, oh, I don't want her to marry me because she's compelled to. I want her to marry me because she loves me and she wants to be with me. And he thought, how could I win her heart? 
I'm a prince. He thought, you know what I'll do? He took off his princely robes. He snuck out of the castle and went into that part of the town and began to live there on the street. He soon was able to acquire a job and to earn a little bit of money so that he could live and he could feed himself. After some weeks or months, he was able to meet this young lady and her friends, and he inserted himself into her life as best as he could and strove to win her heart. And his love and compassion and consistency ultimately did win her heart. And she professed her never-dying love to him, and then he said, well, I have something to tell you. Actually, I am the prince but I wanted you to love me for me. But beloved, that's what Jesus did for you and I. He had all of his glory and the grandeur of heaven, but he said, you know what? I want them to love me for me. He could have compelled us. He could have made us do whatever he wanted us to do. He's the creator of the universe. And, but he said, I want them to love me because they love me. Therefore, I'll go down. I'll be with them. I'll live with them. I'll walk with them. I'll be tempted in every point as they are. I will endure what they endure. And I will show them that I have the keys to death. And I will win victory over death and hell in the grave. God did that for you and I. That's what Jesus did. Wow, the incarnation more than anything else shows us God's immense love. He was manifested in the flesh. We see that He was all God, but He also was all man. Through the Scriptures, we know His earthly lineage. We won't take time to turn to the passages, but you could read here in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, and read His lineage. We know the Bible describes His likeness. In Isaiah 53, verse number 2, tells us that it really wasn't anything special. You know, not as the artists depict him walking around with a halo on his head, walking around as this, you know, no, the Bible says he wasn't really anything that anybody would look at and say, wow, look at that man. He was recognizable as a Jew. He grew like any other boy. We know the Bible describes for us his limitations as a man. He had to ask questions to learn. He felt hunger. He thirsted. He felt weary and was tired. He needed to sleep. He wept. He prayed and felt pain. He bled and ultimately he died. You see, he was God, but he also was man. He came and became a man for you and I. But thirdly, we see a mighty compassion. Verse number 20 says, And she shall bring forth, 21, sorry, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Yes, it is because of Jesus, his love, and his compassion that we have a hope of heaven. Beloved, he came to taste death so that you wouldn't have to. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9, he says, But we see Jesus, 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see, Jesus came to taste death so that you don't have to. Death, beloved, is separation. God was separated from his heavenly home. He was separated from his Father so that he could provide you and I a home. We have the hope of heaven because of the incarnation of an angel. Ezekiel tells us in, 18, in Ezekiel 18, verse number 4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You say, well, if that's the case, then how is it that we will escape death? You see, Jesus came to seek and to save the soul that sinneth. That's why Jesus came. He came to provide life. In Hebrews 2, verse number 14, he says that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus came to destroy him, that is to make of no effect, him that had power over death, the devil. And Jesus did just that as he rose from the grave. And it's then that we hear Jesus tell Martha, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Because Christ came, because of the incarnation of an infant, you and I don't have to experience this thing of death. We can, with Paul, say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Beloved, what I hope is that you'll see Christmas. I think because of Christmas, we have hope. Because of Christmas, we don't have to sorrow. Because of Christmas, we will see our loved ones again. Because of Christmas, we have hope that we will be in heaven. Early one morning in World War II, an American prisoner was woken out of his sleep. Another prisoner was shaking him and saying, the Scotsman wants to see. He made his way over to the edge of the barbed-wired fence which divided those prisoners of war that were on the American side and those that were prisoners of war on the British side. He made his way to the barbed wire fence, and there was the man that they called the Scotsman. On the British side, they had somehow engineered a makeshift radio, and they were able to, at certain times, catch some of the BBC. He whispered three simple words to his American counterpart. He said, they have come. The reaction in the camp was incredible. As that message began to spread through the American soldiers who were caught and imprisoned, they began to jump up and down. They began to shout for joy. They began to laugh. Some rolled on the ground in excitement. The German soldiers must have thought, what is wrong with these men? They've lost their mind. 
For outwardly, they were still prisoners. Outwardly, they still occupied the same space. Outwardly, nothing had changed. But inwardly, they had hope because they had heard that the soldiers had hit the banks of the shore and were coming to free them. And today, beloved, you and I still live in this old world. We're still dealing with this old flesh according to the world and those around us. And even Satan may look like nothing's changed. Everything's the same. You're going through it just like everybody else is going through it. But inwardly, beloved, we have the joy of the Lord because we've got the promise of the Messiah who saved our soul. And we're on our way to heaven today we've got hope because Jesus was born of a virgin because he lived a sinless life and because he died and gave himself for us on the old surface maybe nothing has changed but hallelujah there's been a great change since Jesus came into my heart I hope that this Christmas you remember what we have because an infant that was incarnated with Jesus Christ when he came for you and I would you stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed